Thank you for being in church today. I can't think of a better place to be. I don't know of another place where you could find people speaking the name of Jesus, right? They don't speak the name of Jesus at athletic events anymore. They don't speak the name of Jesus in many social and civic places anymore. But I tell you what, when you come to Carnival First Baptist Church, we're going to speak the name Jesus. Amen. Once again, I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who have sent cards to Darlene and myself and the, concerning the death of my mama. Thank you so much. We've read those cards. They mean so much to us. I know it took some time and effort for you to, to buy it and write those little notes. And Thank you so much. Um, this is uh, the second Sunday that she's not watching live stream. But she's in a much better place than we are today, I assure you. She's got a front row seat to Jesus. Amen? So I want to speak to you today on the subject, trusting God. Life is filled with questions. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Is there really a God? Does God care about the world's insanity? Why doesn't he do something? What happens to us when we die? Is there any hope? Now, the answers to these big questions can be found in the Bible. And I would have to say that in Genesis 1 through 11, uh, you can find answers to these questions in a very powerful and compelling way. As you know, we've been in a series for quite some time. In fact, I think this is the 21st sermon that I preached in the series Genesis 1 through 11, a series that we've entitled Thinking Straight in a Crooked World. Now, we've addressed in this series, and by the way, this is the last sermon in this series, We've addressed some crucial and relevant issues in the process of going through these 11 chapters, verse by verse. These include thinking straight about creation, thinking straight about gender, thinking straight about marriage and family, thinking straight about Satan and evil, thinking straight about sin, thinking straight about death, about eternity, about God's judgment, about false religion, about living for God, obeying God, and being accountable to God. We've got to learn that in an age, a crooked world where there's so much crooked thinking, We've got to learn to think straight and to think biblically because we can never live the way our creator wants us to live if we don't begin everything by thinking biblically. Genesis is the book of beginnings. In fact, there are three major beginnings in the book of Genesis. 
Number one, there's the beginning of the human race with Adam and Eve. Number two, there's a, a new beginning after the flood with Noah and his sons. And thirdly, there is the beginning of the chosen nation of Israel with Abram, and we're going to study about Abram today. Now, in this final sermon, we're going to look at verses 10 to 32, and we're going to read a bunch of hard-to-pronounce names. And uh, I'm going to call some of you to come up here and help me. <laughs> but I, I want you to know that even though verses 10 through 32 has a bunch of names, I want you to know there's some very significant truths located within these names and around these names that we need to understand and apply to our own lives. Everyone in the world, every, you, everyone in the world, can trace their ancestral roots to Adam. Everybody in the world can trace their ancestral roots to, to Noah and one of his three sons, Shem, Ham, or Japheth. Now, I, I want to say this. In our last message, we looked at the Tower of Babel. The message was entitled False Religion. And we learned that Nimrod and his cohorts led the human race in an outright rebellion against God and his word and his will and his way. And we know what happened, don't we? God intervened. We, we, we studied about it in the first part of chapter 11. We know that God intervened. We know that God scattered the people into various nations and God gave each of those nations their own language. Now, after this, in chapter 11, Moses focused his attention on Abram, a man named Abram. Just to let you know how important this man is to God and to God's purposes, I want you to understand that the first 11 chapters of Genesis covers about 2,000 years of history. And, and then when you get to uh, Abram, you'll notice that the rest of the book of Genesis covers only about 350, approximately 350 years. So God brought a lot of detail and a lot of information to the human race through this man Abram. Now, before we, we go any further, let's briefly examine the 10 generations of Shem that leads up to Abram. Notice Genesis chapter 11, verses 10 to 25. The Bible says, these are the records of the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old and became the father of Arpachshad two years after the flood. Now, I want you to understand that Shem was not the oldest son of Noah. Really, in, in Hebrew thought, in biblical thought, back in these days, everything sort of ran through the oldest son. But that's not the way God works. I want you to know that God chose Shem, who was not 
the oldest son, to be the, the one through whom God would work in the world of that day and would have significant implications for our day. In fact, the Bible says in chapter 9, go back to Genesis chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, Noah blessed Shem. Notice what he said. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. So God chose Shem for a very specific biblical kingdom reason. And so we read about his descendants here in verse 10. And we know that, that he became the father of Arpachshad two years after the flood. Two years after the worldwide flood. And then the Bible tells us Arpachshad lived 35 years and became the father of Shelah. Arpachshad lived 403 years after he became the father of Shelah, and he had other sons and daughters. Shelah lived 30 years and became the father of Eber. Shelah lived 403 years after he became the father of Eber, and he had other sons and daughters. Eber lived 34 years and became the father of Peleg, and Eber lived 430 years after he became the father of Peleg and he had other sons and daughters. Peleg lived 30 years and became the father of Reu. And Peleg lived 209 years after he became the father of Reu and he had other sons and daughters. Reu lived 32 years and became the father of Sarug. And Reu lived 207 years after he became the father of Sarug, and he had other sons and daughters. Sarug lived 30 years and became the father of Nahor. And Sarug lived 200 years after he became the father of Nahor, and he had other sons and daughters. Nahor lived 29 years and became the father of Terah. And Nahor lived 119 years after he became the father of Terah, and he had other sons and daughters. Now, I want you to notice something about this long list of names. You know, sometimes we, we come to a place like this in the Bible and we skip over it. And I'm telling you, if you'll dig a little bit, you can find some gold that you need for your own life. I, I noticed something as I studied this list. First, after the flood, did you notice that life expectancy dropped significantly? Think about it, Noah lived for 950 years. And then we read about these other guys, Abraham, lived for 175 years. Joseph lived only 110 years. And take your Bible and look at Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90. 
I want to show you what Moses wrote. Psalm chapter 90, verse 10. The Bible says, this is Moses who wrote this, the same author of the book of Genesis. He said, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years or if due to strength, 80 years, yet their pride is but labor and sorrow for soon it is gone and we fly away. Sounds like a Southern gospel song, doesn't it? We fly away. So notice that the, the, the age that people live drops significantly. Now, I want to say this. As you study this, you need to understand that death is inevitable. I promise you this. If Jesus tarries in his coming, you're going to die. You are going to die. And you're not going to live for 950 years. Probably you won't live as long as Joseph did, which was 110 years. Or, or Moses, I think Moses lived 120 years. But you're going to die. And it is very important that we understand why death has come in the world. We studied this early in, in the book of Genesis in chapter 3. The reason God brought death to the human race is because the human race decided that they knew better than God how to live. And they decided to disobey God and sin came into the world. And anytime we sin against God, it does not work out good for us. And as a result of the sin of Adam and Eve, death came to the human race. And it's been with the human race ever since. So we notice that death is inevitable for all of us. For some of us, death comes sooner than we would wish. For others, death delays longer than we had hoped for. Maybe you're watching live stream today from home and, and you're, you're elderly and maybe you're, you're 90 years old and your body is decaying and, and you, you're asking yourself and you're asking your family, why won't God bring me home? I want you to know something. God is in control. God knows the moment of your birth and he knows the moment of your death. And God makes no mistakes. My mom said over and over, Chuck, why won't God bring me home? I said, Mama, that's not up to me to decide. That's, between, that's up to God. So for some of us, death comes sooner than we would wish. For others, it comes later than we wish. Now, the second thing about this list I want you to notice, the rise of idolatry in the world was tremendous. Now, think about this. Noah saw God destroy the world with a flood. Noah walked with God. Noah was a man of God. And his three sons and their families got to live under Noah's tutorship and mentorship. And yet, as we move away from the flood, we see more and more of the human race falling into the trap of idolatry. We live today in a world that by and large has rejected the creator. And as a result, we have replaced him with an endless array 
of idols, both physical idols and mental idols that we've created in our minds and some we've created in our hearts. And I'll tell you, when you reject God and, and when you replace him with idols, then you end up reviling God. That's what we're seeing happening in our culture today. Our culture, by and large, has rejected God. Our culture, by and large, has replaced God with idols. And our culture, by and large, is reviling the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus. Now, let, let's continue with our list, and it, it gets more focused here from verses 26 to 32. The Bible says, Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. I want you to notice that name Abram. It's a very important name in the Bible. In fact, he may be the second most important person in the Bible other than Jesus. Now, these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. So Abram had two brothers, Nahor and Haran. He had a nephew by the name of Lot. Haran, look at verse 28. Haran died in the presence of his father in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, that worked back in those days, okay? Don't work today. The father of Milcah and Iscah. Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now, that seemed like a little throwaway statement in, in this list. But I want you to know, that's not a throwaway statement. That statement has, is going to have a huge part to play in the life of Abram and, and the covenant people of God going forward. Sarah was barren. She had no child. Verse 31, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, excuse me, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. They went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, there are several things I want you to notice about this story, this last list of names. First, Abram's name means exalted father, but yet he had no kids. Why would... Why would his name be exalted father if he has no kids? God knew he was going to have kids, a very special son. And God was going to do an amazing work in this man's life. Second, 
He was raised in Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, what do we know about Ur of the Chaldeans? Well, this was the capital of Mesopotamia. It's, it's literally south of present-day Baghdad in Iraq. That's where it was. It was a major city. In fact, it was a capital city of Mesopotamia. It was a large city, a, a very, very uh, well-to-do city. This city had a, a huge library. I, I think sometimes we think back in those days, they, their, their knuckles drug the ground and they were all dumb. That's not true. This was a very advanced culture. Now, we know this about this city. This city was known for its idolatry. In fact, there were many idols that were worshipped here in Ur of the Chaldeans. We know that the primary idol that was worshipped was the moon. They worshipped the moon. You might say that Abram started out as a moony. He started out as a moon. He worshipped the moon. He was an idolater before God saved him and called him to fulfill an important kingdom purpose. I think sometimes we think, well, Abram must have been a great man of God before God called him. No, he was an idolater. He was an idolater. He was wicked to the core. We read in Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and their judges and their officers, and they presented themselves before God. Now this was at the end of Joshua's life. This is his swan song. And in verse 2, Joshua said to all the people, notice what he said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, from ancient times, your fathers lived beyond the river, that's the river Euphrates, namely Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor. Now look at this. And they served other gods. They plural. That means Terah. That means Haran and Nahor and Abram. They served other gods. Now, I hope you understand that as we get more into the life of Abraham, how it started out. He was an idolater, a blasphemer against God. Now, think about this. Noah went into the ark when he was 600 years old. And the Bible says that he must have lived about another 350 years. So all of these people in the line of Shem, or most of them in the line of Shem, if they, if they could make their way to Noah and find a good translator, maybe they could ask him questions about God. But it seemed like no one cared to do that. They were idolaters. Now, the third thing you notice in this list is that Abram experienced massive trials in his life. He was not born with a, a silver spiritual spoon in his mouth. 
He had to deal with real life. With diff- His brother died. Now, can you imagine that? His brother died, and his brother had a son by the name of Lot. Do you know what Abram had to do? Abram had to take Lot. Abram and Sarai had to take Lot and raise Lot. As you, if you've read the book of Genesis, you know that there's some trouble brewing here, right? I ain't got time to go into all of that, but, but we know that he faced trouble. And we know that his wife was barren. Now, in this culture, for a woman to be barren was a sign of God's curse. Sign of God's curse. It was, it was very, very bad for a woman to be barren and not have kids. <clears throat> it was bad for the man if he didn't have children. Now, fourth, I want you to notice... Uh, Abraham, Abram, believed in God and was called by God to fulfill an important role. Where was he called? Where was he saved? Well, Stephen tells us in Acts chapter 7 that he was saved and called right there in the hotbed of idolatry, or the Chaldeans. In Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 4, Stephen, as he was being stoned to death, made this statement. He said, hear me, brethren and fathers, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, leave your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Verse four, then he left the land of the Chaldeans settled in Haran and from there after his father died, God had him moved to this country, the promised land. in which you are now living. So I want you to understand that God revealed himself to Abram in Mesopotamia and Ur of the Chaldeans, the the center of, of, of moon worship, the center of idolatry. And Abram was saved. He believed in God and he followed God. Now, Here's another thing I want you to notice about this list. Abram carried great prophetic significance. From this man will come the nation of Israel. This includes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes, and the story will go on and on until finally 2,000 years after Abram lived, Jesus, the son of God, would come. He would come from the tribe of Judah, and he would be the Savior of the world, the Redeemer. Now, when God pronounced judgment on Satan in the Garden of Eden, he included a powerful prophecy about ultimate victory through the Messiah, the Redeemer, that he would one day send to this broken, messed up world. Hey, would you agree with me? We live in a broken, messed up world. This world needs a savior. This world needs a redeemer. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first prophecy you find in the Bible is called the Proto-Evangelium. And the Bible says this, God says, I will put, he's speaking to Satan here. 
I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. I want you to know that's the first prophecy in the Bible. And God used Abram to help bring this prophecy to fulfillment. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, look at it. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. Now it seems like, it seems like there's a selection process going on. It seems like God has forgotten about the tribes of Japheth and Ham. It seems like God has forgotten about those in the lineage of Shem who were not followers, who had become idolaters. Verse 2 of chapter 12 of Genesis, and I will make you a great nation, the nation of Israel, and I will bless you and make your name great. And here we are. 4,000 years after Abraham, we're talking about Abraham today. I'll make your name great, and and so you shall be a blessing. Now, look at verse 3, very important. And I will bless those who bless you, the nation of Israel, and the one who curses you, I will curse. Look at the last part of verse 3, very important line. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You say, how in the world are all the families of the earth blessed in Abram or Abraham, as he's later called? Well, the the way that all the families on the earth are blessed through Abram or Abraham and the nation of Israel is through the Messiah, the Redeemer that would come 2,000 years ago now and die on a cross to save us from our sins, to be resurrected from the dead, to declare himself the ultimate victor over Satan's sin and death and to crush the head of Satan. That's how all the families on the earth are blessed. Now we've covered a lot of ground today. So what have we learned What can we take away from this story that will make a difference in your life this week, in the weeks to come? Here's what I consider to be the controlling truth of this whole story. One one line, here it is. God is in control. I'm telling you, if you were living in these days when after the flood, the the, the life expectancy was going down precipitously, when after the flood, idolatry was flourishing, it seemed like the world was mad. You would have wondered, is there any hope? I'm telling you, this, show, this, this passage we looked at today shows us that God is in total control. He's in total control of everything and everyone. Nothing happens without God knowing it's going to happen and allowing it 
to happen. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that God has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. God is in control. Yes, we live in a broken, messed up world. No question about it. It does seem like the whole world is falling apart. You know, I, I scratch my head at some of the stuff I see happening in the world today. And I wonder, sometimes, I, I wonder, where is this leading to? I'll tell you, I, I've learned something. I never get so discouraged or depressed about what's happening in the world because I know who's in control. I know how the story plays out. I've read the last book in the Bible. I've read the last two chapters in the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22. And I'll tell you, friend, Jesus is coming again. He's coming again, and he's going to set up his kingdom on this earth. Oh, excuse me. All the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess of those who are in heaven on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I know how it plays out. In the days of Abram, God was right there. He was aware of everything that happened to every person on this massive list of names. And God was making sure that his ultimate purpose was fulfilled. What was that ultimate purpose? To bring a redeemer for the human race. With that in mind, I want to challenge you three ways today. Number one, number one, prepare for eternity if this list says anything, you better prepare for eternity because you're going to step into eternity. For some of us, it may be sooner than later. For some of us, it may be quicker than we ever thought. For some of us, it may be later than we thought. But I tell you on the authority of God's word, you better prepare for eternity. You better prepare to meet God. And don't kid yourself. You can't cheat death. I don't care what you do. Look, you can take vitamins out the wazoo. You can exercise three times a day. You can eat only cabbage and, and green stuff and never eat a piece of meat in your life. And I'll tell you, friend, you're not going to cheat death. You're going to die one day. You're going to step into eternity, and you need to prepare for eternity. Are you prepared? Number two, believe in Jesus. Now, if you want to prepare for eternity, there's only one way to do it. you got to believe in Jesus. This is what it means to prepare for eternity. You know, I, I thought about the thief on the cross. Here's a guy. He had, he had never done anything like he should. He was a thief. He was a criminal. And as he's dying, he turns to the Son of God on the center cross. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Hey, what did Jesus say to him? He said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Wow. That guy didn't do anything to merit this kind of salvation, right? But Jesus 
the son of the living God, drenched him in grace and mercy and saved his soul and brought him into the glory of eternity. Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 to 9. He said, even so Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's us, by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. We are blessed in Abraham and we are blessed by the, the message of a redeemer who would come to give us victory over Satan's sin and death. Verse 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham and the believer. Now remember this, don't forget it. Abraham did not do anything to merit the grace of God. He didn't do anything to merit this high place that he had in the kingdom of God. But God had grace. And God saved Abram by faith. And Abraham believed in God. And God forgave his sins and God changed his life and gave him a purpose, a kingdom purpose that is absolutely huge. God kept his promise in Genesis 3.15 of sending Jesus to die on the cross. And Jesus died on the cross for our sins and God raised him from the dead. I'll tell you, if you are willing to turn from the idolatrous patterns of the, the thinking of this world system, and if you're willing to place your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, he will forgive you. He will bless you with eternal life. And he will take you to heaven one day and you will experience the glory that you can only find in heaven. So I encourage you today, believe in Jesus. Hey, here's the, the final challenge I want to drop in your heart. Live by faith. Live by faith. Abram had his share of trials and difficulties before he was saved and after he was saved. Yet we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. God said, Abraham, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your home, and I want you to go to a place, but I'm not going to tell you where it is. You just start going, and I'll get you there. And you know what? He believed God. He lived by faith. Verse 9, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Verse 10, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Yes, yes, forevermore, yes, we live in a messed up, broken world. But I want you to know that the same God who knew everything about everyone on this list that, that I went over today and knew everything that was happening in the world 
I want you to know that same God is in total control of the world we live in today. Let me tell you, we have the president we have because God gave us this president. Let me tell you, friend, we've got the situation we have in America because we have turned our back on God. We have rejected God. We've replaced God with our our, our, our idols, and, and, and we have reviled the name of the living God as a nation. That's why we're in such a mess. But we cannot lose hope. We cannot lose hope. Our God is in control. He knows how it's all going to play out, and he's going to make sure it plays out according to his script, not some politician's script. I assure you that. Now, we've got to learn to trust God. We've got to learn to live by faith. When you face a financial challenge, you've got to live by faith when your kids are pushing the envelope. You've got to live by faith when a family member is dealing with a dreadful disease. You've got to live by faith when you've got a big decision to make. And you got to live by faith when you need to take the next step spiritually. It's interesting that Abram went to Iran with his dad and the rest of the family. Well, that's not where God told him to go, but he stopped there. I think that's the way a lot of believers are. We start out with God and we get so far and we sort of, we sort of lose our mojo. But I want you to know, after Terah died, Abram took his, his, his wife and his nephew Lot, and they went to the promised land. That's where God intended to be all, all along. He left Haran when he was 75 years old. 75 years old. Now think about this with me. Where are you spiritually? Where are you spiritually? Are you prepared for eternity? Have you believed in Jesus? Are you living by faith? Would you bow your heads for just a moment? I'm going to ask our worship team to come, our staff to come, and we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord today. We're going to give you an opportunity to nail some things down. Nail down once and for all your preparation for eternity. Nail down once and for all your belief in Jesus, your faith in Jesus. And nail down once and for all that you're going to live by faith and not get sidewhacked by this world system and the craziness of the world. That you're going to believe in your heart that God is in control. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would move with supernatural power in our lives. I pray that you would remind us deep in our hearts that you're in control. And I pray that everyone in this room would prepare for eternity, believe in Jesus, and live by faith. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. 